everybody it is the day those tunes that just graced your eardrums my vampiric blood donor of friends are courtesy of my sweet sister Casey and her awesome boyfriend Adrian so thank you so much you guys the song that they wrote together is called Halloween Spooks and this is the very first recording of it so and they wrote it together so I'm very happy to be the first person to present it to the world so happy Halloween everybody my name is Tessa Morrow. I am your host. Thank you so much for stopping by, making Paranormal Prowlers podcast part of your holiday. Now, Halloween, this is one of the world's oldest holidays, the day many of us wait for. For me, I wish it would be this time of year all year round. There's just a certain joy in the air. Maybe it's the sounds of children giggling as they collect their candy. Perhaps it's the sweet aroma that is apple cider. You know those candy apples? Forget about it. I've got two in the fridge waiting for me. Now, before we dive into these spooky tales that people have shared with me this year, I would like to share some interesting facts about Halloween. Those lovely guitar tunes you'll be hearing are also provided by Adrian. Now, the story we all know and love, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, was written by Washington Irving. And he published this back in 1820. And one of the very first pieces centered around the amazing holiday that is, guess what? You guessed it, Halloween. Houdini died in 1926 on Halloween night. Boston holds the record for the largest amount of jack-o'-lanterns to be lit up at one time. This is an impressive 30,128 jack-o'-lanterns. That would be pretty epic to see. 
The Guinness World Record for the heaviest pumpkin comes from Belgium, a whopping 2,624 pounds. <laughs> like the jack-o'-lanterns, I would like to see that pumpkin. Trick-or-treat is believed to have originated from Alberta, Canada. And New York City is home to the United States' largest Halloween parade. This is known as the Village Parade, which started back in 1973, and it has over 50,000 who participate in it, and over 2 million come to watch the festivities. That's pretty cool. A little too many people for me, or I would have been to Mardi Gras long ago, but I might have to see if I could catch that on the tube sometime. Did you know that Bolivia celebrates Fiesta de la Natitas on November 8th? The main event? They decorate skulls. And no, my friends, not the Halloween decorative pieces that you get at Walmart, Hobby Lobby, wherever you do your shopping. These are legit human skulls. These are from past loved ones, dear friends, even skulls from medical schools and so on. They refer to the skull as natitas, meaning little pug-nosed ones. And oftentimes we use flowers, hats, bandanas, jewelry, and even stylish glasses to sh decorate them. Now, the first spooky tale that I will share with you, my blood donors, comes from my dear friend, Joshua Holly from good old Tombstone, Arizona. So take it away, Joshua. Hello, everyone. My name is Josh. I'm with um, Tombstone Ghost Hunters, and I also have such books as Tombstone's Most Haunted, also um, Tombstone's Twisted History, which talks about different historical aspects and strange stories about Tombstone and the surrounding areas, because paranormal has always been a passion of mine, but it also leads to Tessa, which I totally dropped the ball last time she asked, and this time I promised to follow through. What is the scariest thing I experienced? I guess the, the, the craziest thing, I wouldn't say it would be so scary, but I guess I'll just have to get into it. Let's start with the bloodiest cabin in Arizona's history, because Arizona has some really hidden secrets that people don't even really know about, such as Brunkow's Cabin. And Brunkow's Cabin is in the southwest area of Arizona. It's close to Tombstone, in between Tombstone and Sarah Vista, and it's actually one of the oldest buildings in the state. By the 1880s, they were actually talking about the cabin in the newspapers for its ghostly activity. Over 20 people were murdered and killed there. We're talking about families, miners, uh, employees as it was a shop it was a house it was a mining operation this cabin has a dark dark history obviously i want to go out and check it out so i've been out there a couple of times we've never really got anything that great because if you ever done paranormal um how you say uh 
investigations. You're using equipment outside. It's very uncontrolled. It's very noisy. It's, it's just, it doesn't work well. Let's put it that way. So I went out there a few times and one time I actually hosted a podcast called Paranormal Arizona, uh, Parizona for short. And I did with a friend. His name was Bruce. And he'd come down once in a while because we would do it over the phone. He would come down once in a while and we would go out and, of course, do something. So I said, hey, let's go film, well, film, record an episode of the podcast down by Brunkhouse. Yeah, of course, he was game for it. So we walked down the Brunkhouse and we were going to do EVPs, electronic voice phenomenon, uh, while we were out there. I had the recorder in my hand. And we were just using the same recorder we were doing our podcast with um, to record the EVPs, okay? So that way we can kind of just go over it live on the air. I thought it was going to be cool. We both had a flashlight, and my allergies were driving me crazy. It was the middle of the summer. The wind was kind of eh, but it was the ragweed and everything. Everything was just falling apart for us, okay? It was, it was bad. So my allergies are acting up. And Bruce is all right. So I'm trying my best to hold back and ask questions like, what's your name? How long have you been here? And I keep on dragging on, but in the distance, now we both had a flashlight. In the distance, we heard this, and I'd like to say, you know, I'm getting ahead of myself. It was a calm night. Okay, it wasn't exactly noisy. The wind wasn't really blowing. You did have some traffic in the background. Um, no animals it was quiet but while we're asking questions dead of silence we hear this bush and this bush shook okay just in the distance we both heard it we both looked and i'm thinking okay maybe it's just a bird a rabbit jumping out of the bush running away who knows right it was approximately i want to say about 20 to 30 feet away from us it was a while ago so i don't remember the exact time or the exact uh, distance. So as we continued to ask questions, the bush we were sitting next to, very large bush, started shaking like crazy. And we both jumped. I mean, I screamed. I did. And I, I was really embarrassed because it was like, that's really unprofessional. Bruce, on the other hand, froze. But this is the funny part. At the same time, we both turned off our flashlights, like instinctively thinking we're turning them on, even though they are already on. So, <laughs> so we're pitch black. He froze. I screamed. And I'm sitting there like, we turned them back on. And I was bewildered. I looked at him. I was like, you saw that, right? He's like, yeah, I saw that. Right next to us. Dead at night. Nothing. Now, keep in mind, I wasn't screaming because I was scared of a ghost. I was actually screaming because I thought a mountain lion was jumping out of the bush at me. So that's what kind of boiled down to. So, you know, when it comes to the paranormal and everything I have experienced, and I've experienced some very crazy stuff, that one actually made me scream. So thank you, Tessa. Thanks for having me on the show. And don't forget, I also have a podcast slash YouTube channel. I kind of started a podcast too, just because it was mainly, you know, narrating and stuff like that. And let me give you the site. If anybody wants to check it out, feel free. You can find everything over at YouTube on Freakier Things. That's F-R-E-A-K-I-E-R, Freakier Things. Um, you can also go to anchor.fm 
backslash freakier things and that's kind of like the hub it has my youtube channel there has all the podcast platforms we're on so feel free to check it out i'd love to see you there and thanks for having me on the show bye josh is definitely a really cool dude and i'm glad i got to meet him while i was in tombstone a couple years back and so yeah just remember that you guys freakier things Go check it out. I know I've mentioned that before in a past episode. Many good things going on with that guy. And his books are pretty awesome too, just got to say. So, and I, I also have to say that I too would scream if I thought I was about to get attacked by a lion of any sort, a mountain lion. Don't you dare touch me! Stand back! But anyways, he mentioned Bronkow's Cabin. I have always wanted to go there. And I actually almost went there this year. And I just, I wanted some of the locals to go with me. Didn't want to go by myself because I didn't know the exact location. So Josh, next year, let's plan something, my friend, at Bronkow's Cabin. Did you know that China celebrates their own Day of the Dead? They refer to this as the Hungry Ghost Festival. This fiesta goes on for several days, my friends, and it's all about honoring the spirits. It is here during the fall season that many believe that the gates to hell will suddenly open. For the murder victims and the forgotten, who were believed to have not had a proper burial and what have you, people will come and gift these specific souls with fake money, food, and other offerings and gifts. Another festival celebrated here is the Lantern Festival. The lanterns, they are shaped like dragons and other types of amazing creatures, and they can be seen hanging throughout people's homes and businesses and all along the streets. This is supposed to help the spirits kind of guiding them back to their earthbound homes. Malaysia also celebrates the Hungry Ghost Festival, but theirs includes entertainment for both human and spirits. This includes puppet shows and even the opera. Fancy stuff. The next spine-tingling tell comes from my amazing mother, Kimana, from Angel Rock Ranch in Colorado. So this is Tessa's mom, Kimana, and I do have a very interesting, somewhat spooky story and that is when Tessa was just about, oh, I'd say 14, maybe a, a year and a half, I put her in her very first babysitting situation where I went with a friend of mine who was a nurse to a old big college. It was on a huge campus, old brick buildings all spread quite far apart. And, and they, they were doing like a woman's group but there was a male speaker, I remember that, and we, I forgot what the topic even was, but they had free babysitting, and so in one of the buildings, like probably two big brick buildings away, they had a nice little daycare, and they had this young girl, and she was babysitting these little toddlers. Tessa, at that point, wasn't walking. She was um, enjoying crawling for a long time 
in her life. So um, I put her in there. Everything seemed very good, real copacetic. And I went back. I went into my little group meeting, and we were in a circle. And so uh, about midway, they said, all right, let's take a break. So we took a break, and I walked over with my girlfriend, and we looked in the window, and Tessa just seemed to be fine. She was, you know, sitting on the floor playing with a game. And But I did notice they opened a door going into another room, and I walked over. I could look in the other room, and there were three boys in there. They were a little older. You know, they were, of course, like, they seemed to be like five, six, you know, about that age, seven. I noticed that the babysitter was sitting at a table, and she was... Like, it looked like she might be doing homework, which I wasn't really too crazy about, but it looked like everybody was happy. Uh, there were other little ones Tessa's age in there with her. So I went back, and I we sat in the circle, and right before they started, I'm looking at the woman in front of me, and the woman in front of me was missing part of her finger. Uh, it's unusual to see a woman missing, you know, half a finger, and I'm looking at her all of a sudden in my head I see Tessa getting her finger cut off and I'm mad at myself I'm going oh my god why would I think about my little 14 month old getting her finger cut off this is horrible and I kept trying to change the image and I couldn't and um so they were starting the meeting and I told my the my girlfriend I said I have to run over there and just check on Tessa again real quick she goes Kim you were just there I said I know well, I went out and I jogged on over to the buildings a couple over. And as I get there, I look in the front window and really not expecting to see anything. But the uh, babysitter was running across the room with Tessa. Tessa's back of her head was to me. So I didn't um, see her face, you know, and I opened the doors and I, and I said, how is everything? And Tessa turns around and she was screaming. You know how it is when before the actual scream's able to come out where you're gasping, that was her. And the girl looks at me and said, Tessa just got her finger cut off. I'm like, what? And it was just the tip of her finger, but, you know, quite a, quite a ways down. But what happened was one of the, she crawled over to that door and one of the boys slammed this big metal door. And so that happened. But anyway, that's my story. You know, of course, we had to take her to the hospital, and she had to have her fingers sewn back on and so on and so forth. And it was very traumatizing for both of us. The strange thing about this story is, you know, what came first, right? It's like, how strange was it that I'm sitting there looking at this woman across from me missing um, half of her finger, and then I start visualizing Tessa get her finger getting her finger cut off and I was like so upset that I could even visualize something so morbid you know with my little baby uh, running over there and having it just happen probably happened about the same time they were trying to figure it out so that's my story very strange Halloween spooky story this uh well 40 years later anyway happy Halloween all so, you know, all I have to say is, thank God I was a baby when that happened. I have no recollection whatsoever about this horrifying incident. And if it weren't for the nub where my pinky used to be, I would not believe it ever happened. <laughs> Just kidding. You know, they sewed it back on because my mom said it. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Just kidding. But it's just the scar. But I do have to say, all kidding put aside, that every time I'm in the kitchen and I'm slicing something, 
I'm extra careful. I, I almost always envision my finger getting cut off when I'm slicing in the kitchen. So it's very weird. Like I didn't remember it happening, but I definitely will never forget that it happened. So yes, and I, premonitions, that's going to be on another episode sometime because those are phenomenal. And that's exactly what she had. Like she just like envisioned this happening. And so pretty mind blowing stuff and can't imagine being a mother you know, me being a baby, I don't remember now, but being a mother, I'm sure she will never, ever forget that. So, sorry, Mom, for the scare. Did you know? That Germany was a country that was pretty dead set against the holiday. Nope. Until about 20-ish years ago. Now it's a big yes. In Germany, many attend the much loved pumpkin festival. Another thing many take advantage of, if in the area, is head over to the Berg Frankenstein Castle. That's Frankenstein. That Haiti celebrates yet Gedi, Festival of the Dead. November 1st through the 2nd, the Haitian practitioners of voodoo pay respects to Baron Samedi, father of the deceased spirits. They dance in the streets and spend time in the cemeteries, bringing food and other gifts for the dead. Next up is something my good friend and past guest, Mercedes Benedict, sent me. Her story was actually just published earlier this month in October in Hollywood Entertainment News. So that is pretty awesome, right? October 11th, 2022. And it's titled, Man in Dark Hood Points to Death Every Time. I will never forget the memory of a week of terror and sadness that began one night as myself and my family drove back to our house in Avra Valley, Arizona. We had driven four hours coming back from Sedona, Arizona, and my little dog Lulu, who I took everywhere with me, had traveled with us. The day we left, she became sick, but she healed up in a few days and was better the day before we returned back home. It was the first time I had been on a trip since the paranormal television series had completed two-week law enforcement and psychic investigation on the paranormal activity occurring on our home and land. The investigation was completed two days before Thanksgiving Day 2019. My health had gotten worse, and I was scheduled to have surgery the last day of January in 2020. The Sedona trip was to be a recovery and a rest time for me. I began to feel a swirl of dread inside me as we drove the long dirt road up to the house. Lulu was happy when we reached the house, and I let her down on the ground to greet the other dogs. A storm was coming in fast. The wind began to blow fiercely around us as my family stood by the steps leading up to the front porch of the main house to say the Lord's Prayer. We had done this for protection for the last few months. After our prayer, I carried in Lulu and my guitar and went into the house while everyone else was unloading the supplies and baggage. And then I began putting away the items being brought in. When my husband was finished, he went back into the bedroom to unpack his suitcase I went outside and spoke to my son, who was still unpacking his things from the truck, and I said, if you're hungry, come by and get some food later. 
And then I went back into my music room, adjoining the living room, and I began putting away my guitar. All the while, hearing the wind howl and blow against the windows in the house. It was around 5.30 p.m., and the night was starting to come upon us. I was standing at the desk next to the door in my room when I heard a knock at the front door. The door is made of glass. I looked over and I saw a male standing there all in the dark as if a hood was over his head and it hid his face from the chilly wind blowing outside. I naturally assumed this was my son because he had been wearing dark clothing with a hoodie that cold day and I yelled to him to just come on in that the food was in the refrigerator. He just stood there as the light in the sky began to darken behind him. I thought, why is he just standing there? Did he not hear me because of the wind? Was the door locked? I began walking to the door to whom I thought was my son still standing there, out in the cold, and I was talking to him, saying, I'm sorry, I didn't think the door was locked. And I reached down to the doorknob to unlock it, and it easily moved. I was talking out loud and said, oh, weird, it's not locked. I looked back up as the door was opening, and there was no one there. I swung the door wide open and stepped out to the porch, and I was shocked. Fear swept through me as I stood there in utter disbelief. I started yelling my son's name. He was not there. No one was there. I went down the steps to the sidewalk, and I looked toward the cabin, and I saw my son coming out of the cabin, and I yelled to him, Were you just over here? And he said, No. He had been in the cabin. I completely panicked and ran up the stairs and back to the bedroom in shock as to what had just occurred. My husband, he tried to calm me down and then he went and grabbed his gun, strapped it on, then went outside to check the property. There was no one anywhere. My husband gathered the whole family to the main house and we talked about what had just occurred and then we began our protection prayers. We went from room to room, burning sage, throwing salt along the corners and around the room, saying protection prayers. Then we went outside in and around all the buildings to complete the prayers. Needless to say, it was a sleepless night. And in the morning when I awoke, I found that my little Lulu had become sick again. Only this time she was worse. I called the vet to get her in for a visit as soon as possible, and as we were driving, it was clear that she was in terrible pain. I had asked my son to go with me to help comfort her. When we got to the vet's office, he took her in right away, and my heart broke when he told us she was extremely sick and dying. She was septic and was in horrendous pain. We were told she was suffering and we needed to make a decision for her. My son and I were in shock. She was our little joy, and she helped us smile throughout our past troubles. This was the hardest decision to make. We had to say goodbye to our Lulu. The family all came there to the vet's office for Lulu when they heard what was happening. Tears wouldn't stop as we took her lifeless body back to the property, and my husband and all the family created a grave site in our memorial area by the pine trees where the other beloved furry family graves are. This was not the first time our animals had been under attack, and it would not be the last. When I look back on this horrible moment and terrible week in time, 
I know that my little precious Lulu gave her life for me. We had been told two months earlier that death was there on our land, and it was there for the female, which was me. I had seen it in the form of a shadow person on the morning of January 30th at the foot of my hospital bed when I awoke from my operation just two weeks prior. I woke to hear the nurses say, Wake up, Mercedes! Breathe, Mercedes! Over and over, I heard this as I was coming out from the anesthesia, yelling for me to breathe. I was having complications after the surgery, I found out later. Thankfully, I had enough strength in me at that time to call for God's help and ask for protection when I saw him. The tall darkness looming at my feet at the left-hand corner of the hospital bed, and then the dark being vanished as I said the last words of the Lord's Prayer. The next thing I heard was a woman's voice screaming and moaning out in horrendous pain next to me in the post-op hospital room. They began wheeling me into another area at that time, and I believe because of my prayer, it went to find another to go after. I was safe this time. As the days passed, it was clear to me that my precious little girl Lulu, whom I loved with all my heart, was yet again another victim of the evil that dwelled there on our cursed land. The devil knocked on the door that day and made sure that we all knew that he was always there inside and outside. And where he was, death follows. That is just so heartbreaking to me. That's sad that so many things have happened on her property. And I just remember her talking about all these insane things that were happening there to the family, uh, flesh and furry. And... I just have to believe that that sweet angel is looking after her and the family now. Did you know that Hong Kong did not always celebrate Halloween? Nowadays, people who are in the celebratory mood will usually head on over to Hong Kong Disneyland, where they have an impressive performance that involves several of the Disney's villains. Four unfortunate souls in pain. Another great location that's frequented is Ocean Park, Hong Kong. It's actually the home to Asia's biggest Halloween celebrations. This includes street shows with the most goriest of costumes, the most creepiest of haunted houses, and other Halloween-type entertainment. Gotta love it. Now, Mercedes has one final thing for me to read. and This was actually a Facebook post of hers about a dream that she had about a ho her horse and it grabbed my attention where I just had to ask if I could read it on here and she said yes happily so here that is here's the truth of what lies beyond last night I was awoken from a dream but it wasn't a dream the dream continued into reality as I saw a white horse in the purest white running swirling energy happy and kicking up as if he were only a year old. It was Merlin Star, because Merlin, whom we rescued in September 2020, was literally 100 years-ish. We never got to see him run or trot. We walked only, and he walked with grace. I had always wished to see him run, like in the movie I shared yesterday with him in The Black Stallion 3. 
And the vision last night, at one point, along with this white spirit horse, which was Merlin, I saw my puffy little golden white Ellie, whom I had rescued also as a very elderly little blind dog, that could also not hear, and she had passed in November of 2020. And she was there to come get Merlin's star, and the both stayed a while, and I could feel them as if they were both alive. I feel very happy this morning. I know all is as it should be. He is home. He is not alone. So anyways, she unfortunately lost another furry loved one, and this time a big, beautiful creature that is a horse. And I remember like a day or so before this post, she was saying like, please send us your prayers. We need this. Our sweet baby is sick and not feeling good. And, you know, as she said, he was older, so there was a concern there. And he did end up passing away, but she had this amazing dream. And they had this um, beautiful ceremony and burial for the horse. It's nice that another past furry loved one, not, not Lulu, but Ellie, came and was like, I'm here for you. You're not alone. So I thought that was a really neat thing. Did you know that Ireland has bonfires that can be seen burning late into the night all throughout the country? The kiddos will go trick-or-treating, while adults often attend or throw ghoulishly lavish awesome parties. One popular dish is a type of fruitcake that is called barn brack. A treat is baked right into the cake, and it is a psychic in a cake, if you will, as it is believed to predict your future. If a ring is discovered, the person who finds it will soon be married. Either that or pawn off and make some good money. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, if straw is found, the coming year will prove to be quite prosperous for that individual. And next up is my good pal from near Detroit, Jeff Atkins. He's been on the podcast in the past and he also is a good voiceover for me. So here we go. One of the spookiest stories that I could probably share was the time that Spirit followed me home from a location. So we had been investigating Randolph County Infirmary in Winchester, Indiana, and we had a few experiences there, but nothing too crazy. And then for about a week after we got home, nothing really happened. I'm somebody that's very lucid when I wake up, and so I woke up at four in the morning one night, and I looked at the hallway leading into my bedroom, And as clear as I can see anything right now, I could see a black silhouette about my size. I could see through it into my kitchen. Not too proud to tell you that I screamed. I jumped up. um, I darted towards the door, and then it was gone. I told myself that I was dreaming, that, um, that I must have imagined that. So I eventually got back to sleep. Well, the next day, my car battery died randomly, which was not necessarily paranormal, but it was weird. So I got a jump, and then I got home. I got in the shower, and I hopped out of the shower, and my bathroom door was locked. But I never locked the bathroom door because I lived alone. So I called my buddy Todd. He's co-founder of Detroit Paranormal Expeditions with me and told him what was going on. And that um, same week that my car battery died, uh, his, his brand-new 2016 Dodge Ram truck battery died, and the dealership couldn't explain why. And he also woke up and saw a silhouette in his room, which he told himself he was dreaming. 
So we, our experiences were lining up. And so I talked to some folks and what I should do. And so I saged with a certain prayer and I got some stones that promote grounding and tried to cleanse my energy. And for about a month, everything was quiet. And then at the end of December of 2016, I was going out with friends downtown. So I reached for my door handle to leave my apartment and my TV turned on by itself in my room. So it was a Samsung and it played that jingle when it turns on. So I went in there and uh, asked it to shut the TV off and it wouldn't. So I shut the TV off, and the feeling I got was that it was trying to stop me from leaving because it was it was right when I was walking out. It drew me back into the apartment. So I went downtown with my friends. I was at a bar, and I had my coat in the back of my chair. I was walking around talking to people, and my coat ended up being stolen. So my wallet, my keys, my coat in December in Michigan. I always thought that spirit was trying to stop that from happening. But over the next nine months, basically from Actually, the first photo that it happened, I didn't see it but at the time, but it, the first photo of this fog was captured, it was actually at the end of November. So from then until September of 2017, I would get this fog over my eyes. And what was crazy is that it would come and go. So if it was a day that it was there, it would be in every picture. I could take a selfie and it'd be in all the photos. And then the next day it might not be, the next week it would be back. And it would kind of just come and go like this. And um, I was using a spirit box in Detroit in September of 2017, and I asked, um, I asked the spirit, the spirit's there, I said, it's it's this spirit that's been following me here right now, and this woman came through and said, it's done, just very clearly, it's done, and um, I never saw that fog over my eyes again, I've taken probably 500 pictures looking for it over the last few years, whenever I felt weird or off, but that fog never came back. So, to me, that's mind-blowing, like, from November to September, that's almost a year. That, you know, I had my attachment for a month-ish, and it drove me crazy. But I have heard in other cases that people have had dealt with things like that for, you know, months, years even. There was one case in Colorado where it was well over two years, and the woman went insane. It Like, it's just mind-blowing to me. So, Jeff, I'm so glad that this woman came to you saying, you know, this voice said it's done. Life is a box of ghosts. Did you know that Italy celebrates Festi de Ognisanti, All Saints Day, and it's celebrated on November 1st, and on the second day is Giorno de Morti, meaning All Souls Day, which is celebrated with festivities, parties, and more. People, they carve pumpkins. This tradition is often called Concas de Mortu, meaning heads of the dead. I like that. So next time I see jack-o'-lanterns outside, which will be like, uh, today when I go out there, I'll be thinking of the heads of the dead. Next up is my good friend Michael Bill from the Big Easy. That's right, one of my favorite places ever, New Orleans. And this is what he had to share. Hi, this is Michael Bill from New Orleans, Louisiana. I'm a paranormal investigator down here, and I'm just like to tell you a little bitty story. You see, when I first moved into the apartment I live on, Memorial in St. Philip, 303, I didn't really think it was haunted until I was using the spirit box of the SB7. And I was going to record right away that evidence. I turned my spirit box on all close to the night. Michael, my name. I shut up, it was like, oh, I guess they know I'm here. So, you guys, you guys have a happy Halloween, and I will scare you. So that is always interesting when your name is said 
when your name is spoken through the Spirit's voices. I've had that happen before myself via SB7, just like my friend Michael, and then also through like EVPs on the recorders. And sometimes it's like places that I've been to before when other times it's like, okay, I've never been here. How do they know my name? And so it is always super interesting. And it also said his full name, Michael Bill. And so that's really cool. Did you Japan started celebrating Halloween around 2000, so not too long ago, when Tokyo Disneyland conducts a Halloween event. Now it's a huge thing out here. No one really trick-or-treats, mind you. This is kind of more considered an adult holiday. Maybe someday they'll have the kiddos participate. But for now, people, they throw street parties. They also participate in what's called zombie runs. So that's kind of cool. Next up is my friend Kevin Paul from DC. He is a phenomenal medium. He's been on the podcast before. He shared this video with me of his most recent investigation, and this took place at the amazing Gettysburg. So here we go. Hi, and welcome to one of my special mystical quickie shows. This time, it's about an unexpected paranormal investigation. Now, here's the backstory. On August the 28th, 2022, I was driving back from camping in the Poconos Mountains. And after a few hours of driving, I stopped in this little town called Gettysburg, Pennsylvania for a quick bite to eat. After lunch, I wanted to check out the surrounding area since it turns out that the famous Battle of Gettysburg was fought there during the American Civil War from July 1st through the 3rd in 1863. It is often referred to as the high water mark of the rebellion since the Northern or Union Army ended General Robert E. Lee's most ambitious invasion of the North. Gettysburg was the Civil War's bloodiest battle and was also the inspiration for President Abraham Lincoln's immortal Gettysburg Address. You remember it as the four score and seven years ago speech where Lincoln said that ideals of equality and freedom are the bedrock of the United States as a nation and that they are worth dying for and that it's up to the living to carry on the work of those who died to protect those ideals. Now that was a powerful speech. Well, according to so many accounts, this area is now haunted, and tourists, as well as paranormal investigators, have reported seeing the ghosts of Civil War soldiers at many different battlefield locations. So, of course, I wanted to check it out myself using my mediumship abilities to connect with the spirits that were there during that famous battle. So I drove to the edge of the town and found a battlefield location that interested me and then walked into the open field on a beautiful, sunny day where the huge battle had taken place in 1863. There was no one around when I walked into this vast country field and opened myself up to the space and invited any spirits from that famous battle to communicate with me. I had no idea what to expect. The following audio recording was made by me in the middle of that battlefield immediately after my session. 
I knew I had to document and share with you my connection with four different spirits who wanted to tell me their own personal story on that Civil War battle. It's important to understand that these spirits were not stuck at this location, but came back to tell their stories since they still have a very strong emotional connection to this location and event. As you will see, this location changed each and every one of their lives forever. I hope you enjoy. While walking around the grounds Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, the battlefields of Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, I opened up into the energy and invited any spirit who wanted to come connect with me and tell me their story. I understand that they didn't, they're not stuck here, but there are many that have this emotional connection to this land, to this experience. So I opened up and invited them. The first one I got was a farmer, a guy, it was a young guy. He worked on the farm and plowed the field, came from Virginia. I got a sense of tobacco, cotton, the hard, hard work, working in the fields, because that's all he knew. And how he went on an adventure, because it was something he had never experienced besides this typical life, hard life on the farm. So his motivation was also for the adventure and was killed and died of his wounds here at this location. Ooh, yeah, I definitely feel like I was shot. The next one was someone who was older, 28 years old, and was on horseback, a leader, someone who's in charge of like Cal was Calvary, and in a position of leadership and a, of a better family than most people here. So he lived more in the city environment and was the oldest in his family, very charismatic, comfortable with being in a leadership position telling people what to do it fueled his his personality and he was killed here in a crossfire is what i got he's telling me that they shot the horses which was supposedly against the rules in the sense that i guess gentlemen rules in battle or something like that. I just get a sense the, they were shot. The, the horses went down, and then then they were attacked with bullets. But they were so shocked the horses were targeted first, and then they were they were just just amazed at the uh, the lack of discipline, the lack of rules, the engagement, and so it was taken out that way. The next is I got a female who was, I got a sense of 
feeding, I thought, well, maybe she's a cook. And then as I listened to her story, she was more of a, it's like a, a nurse or on behind the scenes or behind the battle where injuries would be coming in. And I just sense of wrapping, wrapping, attending those injuries and caring for and feeding those those injured soldiers. And she was went into service because she was not, she wanted more out of life than just that traditional role. Okay, this is this age that I do this. She wanted a bit more um, responsibility, something different um, to make a difference, to be out of that traditional mold, a woman of her generation. And then one of the soldiers she was attending, she's the one, he's the one that she fell in love with, ended up marrying and raising a family, instilling certain characteristics in them of honor, responsibility, patriotism, because they both had been through the war. So she used that experience to create a family that would go on to be leaders in their community, people understand certain values. But her adventure was definitely, she didn't die in battle, but used it to catapult her and her family into a different light, to become leaders, people who can make a difference. And then the fourth one I connected with was someone who's definitely an alcoholic, definitely found himself in prison. And the only way to get out of prison, the option was stay in or leave and join the service of in the Civil War. So he did. Unfortunately, there was this tendency, of course, of his, since he was convicted of stealing and public drunkenness, is to see if he could continue having that kind of activity. So he would steal, they'd find alcohol, he would sell it if they came upon like a distillery, a distilled location that was distilling alcohol and getting himself into that kind of trouble and ended up trying to escape and actually did escape with at least one other person. Um, instead of being pursued, there was so much going on here in this, this particular battle that they kind of got away with it for a while and then captured after put back in prison for desertion. That's it, for desertion. So he just continued on with his behavior. Survived the war only because deserted after continuing his typical behavior even in war. So that wasn't a very happy ending for him. So those are my impressions here in this space, Gettysburg, actually the battlefield in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. So thank you for watching. Look for more of my mystical clickings on any of my social media sites. Subscribe and get alerts on my YouTube channel. Follow me on my Facebook or Instagram pages.
So until our next mystical quickie together, take care of yourself in mind, body, and spirit. Very cool stuff. Very intense. So that was like a awesome look into him going and as being a phenomenal medium, you know, just he picked up on these four people and their stories and just very intense stuff. And so, and that was just a short time of being there. Did you that in Romania, there are several castles, including Bran Castle, that are open to the public, often throwing spooky parties where you can dance the night away. And the final spooky tale that comes from one of my dearest friends and paranormal partner in crime, Angie Velasquez, out of beautiful Colorado. And here that story is now. So, I have... A different kind of a story, a ghost story to talk about. Usually I have really spooky stories, but this one's kind of a sweet ghost story, and I'd like to share it with you. So when my kids were really little, back in the early 1990s, um, we lived in a little haunted house in Ogden, Utah. Anyway... One night we came home from taking the kids out for pizza and they had some helium balloons they came home with and they were tired. It was late. And anyway, we got home and um, my oldest son, who was about five years old at the time, asked if he could take his balloon with him to bed. And my husband said, no, you'll just end up playing with it and you need to go to sleep. Anyway, my son had a little bit of a fit about that, but then he went off to bed. And anyway, my husband and I sat at the, at the dining room table and the three balloons were in the living room and we could see them. Um, and they were all just hanging out at the ceiling. And we were talking, and then uh, something caught my eye, right out the corner of my eye. I um, noticed one of the balloons kept bobbing up and down, as if somebody was trying to jump and grab it and missing, not able to grasp the string to pull it all the way down. And it just kept bobbing up and down, um, probably three or four times. And then it finally... Um, came down from the ceiling. Um, the string was just about maybe four feet off of the, from the floor. And the balloon came down about halfway, um, just halfway down. And my husband and I both noticed at the same time. And we watched the balloon just slowly kind of made its way through the living room without touching anything. And it just made a fast little turn down a narrow hallway and we followed it and it was going very, very slowly and it just moved down the hallway real slowly and made another sharp turn and it went right into my son's bedroom. Anyway, we were getting a big kick out of that. It's not something you see every day. And anyway, it floated right over 
to his bed and it stopped. And we just thought that was kind of a sweet story. We always kind of felt there was a child spirit in the house. And to, to us, that just kind of confirmed it. But that's just one of my favorite ghost stories. So I hope you enjoyed it. And that is sweet for sure. I remember her sharing that story with me several years ago. And yeah, that is, it's not like a spooky, scary, oh my God, what just happened here kind of thing. And she's had those experiences too. But this is more like a heartwarming, sweet one. Did you know? In Poland, the Polish will celebrate Forefather's Eve on November 2nd. The family will conduct a silent procession to their ancestors' graves. And on this particular evening for dinner, extra plates are on the table. The dead are invited to come for dinner as they made more than enough. And after dinner is final and complete, the leftovers are taken to the family's graves. Did you enjoy this week's episode? I'll take that as a yes. Listen to the others. They're all pretty awesome. Haven't heard every single one yet? No need to howl about it. Just head on over to Deezer, Overcast, CastBox, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you may roam to hear your other spooky podcasts, you'll probably find Paranormal Prowlers podcast lurking in the background. And a huge, huge shout out to my amazing pair of friends and fam that shared today, Josh Holly, my mom, Kimana, my little sister, Casey, Adrian Romero, Mercedes Benedict, Jeff Atkins, Michael Bill, Kevin Paul, and Angie Velasquez. You guys and gals are phenomenal, and I appreciate you sharing your spine-tingling and heartwarming tales with us today. This week's special city shoutouts go to Grand Forks, North Dakota, Hexham, England, Racine, Wisconsin, Blaine, Washington, and Scottsdale, Arizona. Everybody, whatever you do today, however you celebrate today, if you celebrate it at all, Please stay safe, have a ball, and we will see you next week. And here is Casey and Adrian's sweet song once again. Oh,
that time of year, spooks are dead. Skittle houses with two triple 